Hey, I'm Zanzi and welcome to Farmer's Inside Track, episode 185. I'm your host, Dawn Umdu. Now, for new farmers to commercialize in Mzanzi's agricultural sector is no easy feat. We've spoken about fast-tracking transformation so often on this podcast. And this week, Deboho Mohadi, poultry farmer and head of socioeconomic development at the Kahiso Trust, one of South Africa's leading development agencies, talks more about the work they do to support agriculturalists. Deboho, welcome to Farmers Inside Track. It's such a pleasure to have you here with me. I would like to start maybe just an introduction about you, where you got into the agricultural space, where it all started for you in farming and agriculture. Thank you for having me. I think agriculture personally, there's two sides of it. One is in my personal space. One, of course, is my workspace. So on a personal note, I am also a farmer, but involved in poultry farming. Been doing it for almost now, I think, running to 10 years. Very difficult business. I mean, I think when... I eventually got an opportunity to join Kakhezo Trust, having also worked in the banking lending side of things. I had an opportunity to join Kakhezo Trust. Kakhezo Trust is very interesting. It's almost an organization that you could refer to as an NPO, but also very much focused on trying to turn farmers to be commercial. So they have almost a hybrid model between being a typical NGO organization, but also being driven commercially on the other side, because there's always a question and answer around sustainability of organizations, but also of the farmers themselves. That's where Kakhezu Trust is. And the product or the company they use is called Jala Impact Fund. And the reason why they went with the impact fund of things is that although we want to drive commercial principles in our entrepreneurs, we also want to conscientize them about the areas in which they're involved, whether it's in the communities where they're involved. Be conscious about the impact of your business around where you are, basically. And that has been the drive and I guess where my personal experience and the organization itself merges together, in essence. And you're the head of socioeconomic development for the Kahisa Trust. Maybe just a bit more about the work that you do and specifically the farmers or agriculturists that you work with. I see you're very geared towards women, youth and people living with disabilities. Maybe more about your participants and people within the trust that you work with on a day-to-day basis. Sure, but maybe context is also important. So socioeconomic development, absolutely a program within Kakhezu Trust, but where it places the agriculture solution is within a separate company that is now called Jala Impact Fund, which houses the solution for agriculture for Kakhezu Trust. So simultaneously, unfortunately, we have like a dual role where we do work within the institution, but we also work within Jala Impact Fund, which is responsible for housing the agri. One of the driving factors, I guess, is that we want to become transformative, but also in a sustainable manner. I guess a lot of researchers and so forth will all depend on it to kind of understand the environments that we're in. One of the key things, I guess, that motivates us to focus a lot more on the youth, it's almost a generational gap issue that we worry about. But that far through it in the future, you're almost talking food security issues. I think the stats are quite clear on the, the age average of your commercial farmers as they are. So that becomes a driving thing. But I think also... Looking at the youth who also looked at the quicker way they adopt new methods of agriculture, be it technology, be anything. So it's quite an exciting, I guess, an environment when you deal with youth in that sense. With women, the principle is very clear. I guess even again, might be researchers, but also a bit more biased, I can understand. But women do have a sharing ability around what, what they do. I don't know where it places us as men amongst <laughs> the industry, but to be very honest, we raised by women. I'm raised by women. I, was, you know, I do understand 
the principle at which it might sound very simplistic, but it's high impact issues that we're referring to. Knowledge sharing within women communities becomes absolutely the norm. So I guess from that perspective, it's one of the driving factors. Not all of it, but one of the driving factors. And when you look, I guess, which is quite difficult, by the way, the disability issue around your more labor intensive or depending on where in the value chain you are in agriculture, once you start referring to people with disability, you almost have to ask. And I remember having this conversation with one of our stakeholders. We were asked, how do you, how do you place a requirement of disability in your application? Almost becomes a sensitive thing right at the front to say, how do you deal with that as an issue in farming? So I know it's not the simplest thing to do, but I think there is some level of intentionality that we need to have so that you have an inclusive solution all the time. So it's not as clear cut as any other thing, but the intention, I guess, is always there from our perspective. I think you're doing amazing work and playing in a very dynamic space to be able to accelerate growth within the sector, but also, as you mentioned before, to get black farmers to commercialize within the sector. We had spoken about this briefly earlier about, you know, commercialization of black farmers. What do you think is the biggest barrier for farmers to be able to commercialize? I think some of the farmers we spoke to today spoke about financing being the biggest issue, accessing land being the biggest issues. But are there other issues that you'd like to highlight from your experiences working at the Kahiso Trust? Before we started with the solution for Jal Impact Fund and Kahiso Trust, we actually piloted our solution, sort of understand how it will unravel, if you had to put it. We gave it like a two and a half years of really piloting it. What we realized was that even though you can give people funding, give them market access, give them technical support, there are some other issues you need to almost think about over and above the ecosystem, of course, that being your policy issues and so forth. But there are other things that you need to be very considered around. Two, without giving too many other ones, is the issue of governance. Governance, very closely to it, speaks to accountability. What you have found as a trend my data could be questioned. I'm okay with that because it's only referring to the areas where we have gone to. Is that even though when you unfold, people can say access to funding you provide, you need technical support, we provide all in one house. But it's the person, if the person behind who's receiving that solution isn't understanding the value of it, it's almost planting over. Dormant seed. That's it. (laughs) The conversation doesn't end with just providing what we have seen to be the issues, I guess. And this, by the way, the three issues we just mentioned is not necessarily only in Ankri. It affects all entrepreneurs. But I think over and above, it's the person behind. You actually have to deal with the mind that deals with the solutions. And I think that's where we are at this point in time. Do you see yourself to a point where an organization, Kahiso Trust, won't be needed? How do you see it moving towards over the next 10 to 20, 30 years? One of the contestation area about the work we do is that we do understand also that we don't have all the deep pockets that, for example, stakeholders like government actually have. We take up these models that we build to amplify them, even though we have a sensitivity of adoption by government, which is probably the biggest player. We also want to play almost an advocacy role to other either being your funders. I mean, we do it quite a lot with banks. We demonstrate how we kind of unfold our solutions. We push them into places that we know they won't traditionally go to, communal land issues. Banks don't fund in general in areas where there isn't quite uh, collaterals and so forth. 
So in an ongoing manner, we do these models and then we demonstrate them to who we believe could almost take this and scale with those solutions. However, there are realities. And I think one of the big realities is that when we piloted our solution, we realized that there was almost a 600 million gap of funding and we hadn't even done an advertisement for our funding. But that was the level of applications that we had already received. When you contest with what I just said in terms of how you would wish for the solutions to end up in the hands that you wish, or rather you think they will scale it, and the reality of where you are, it becomes a thin balance. We do have the agency to still exist, but we also wish there could be an adoption, I guess, by the bigger guys like your government or any other institution, or even more collaboration with other institutions to make it much bigger. Let's just speak for a moment about technology and the use of technology, mechanization, being able to access that at the right point, at the right time to be able to advance within the sector. I think it's such a buzzword at the moment, adopt new technology, be innovative. But what does it actually mean for a farmer on the ground? For it to be a bit more clear, always wish it's answered by the actual farmer themselves. Because it's just one area that impacts them directly, I guess. And the rest of us, we will speak to it depending on which side you sit on it. And whether it benefits you or not or it doesn't benefit you or not. Especially if you're referring to technology, for example. However, there are trends that are, I think you almost have to say, if you don't adapt to those, then where are we going with the methods of agriculture we're going? One of the things that I know farmers are contesting with, it's the cost of doing business. Whether we like it or not, there has been almost, in farming, it's become a little bit more expensive to get the same quantities of or production that you've got. If we really think about the methods that we're using to extract the same value, you almost have to say on parallel, what else can I do that can give me better? Where does it place me as a funder, maybe? It could very well mean that better yields, obviously much more possibilities of getting repayments, but it could also have other impacts for farmers, depending on which technology they're adopting. Always a thing balance in South Africa where you have employment issues. I think it's a conversation that will always depend where you're sitting, but the importance though will never shift. It is quite important that we move towards it, maybe gradually or not, but still, I think it's something that we all need to consider at some point. Looking towards the future, what message you'd like to leave with farmers listening to this podcast? If they'd like to get involved with Kahisa Trust, how do they do that? And also more so looking towards 2023, message for the new year would also be great. Thanks. So if you need to get hold of us, you can actually do it via, we've got direct email that goes through directly to our fund. It's called jala at kahiso.co.za, which is T-Y-A-L-A at kahiso.co.za. Directly, that will go straight to the Jala Impact team that will look to your inquiry or your application. Other than that, I think you can call directly. It's 011-566-1900. Then you can ask for any team members that are involved in the agriculture side of things. One thing, unfortunately, for farmers is that we never know when to ask for rain and not to ask for rain, right? Because other farmers are happy not to have the rain and other farmers want the rain. I think we're all just asking for a good season for our farmers. All round. Doesn't matter which one. I think that's probably what I would ask if I had to set up my own little prayers. Thanks, Teboho. It was an absolute pleasure chatting to you on this podcast and everything of the best with the amazing work you're doing. And that's a wrap from me, Dornumdu, our producer, Megan Fundefend. 
and the rest of the Food from Zanzi team have an absolutely amazing week. Bye for now. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food Form Zanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.